What's up, everyone? Happy New Year. Welcome back to The Path. I'm your host, Luke Hastings, at Narrowway Man on Instagram. And today, New Year's special 2024. Let's go. We are taking a look back at 2023. And I'm going to share with you guys and gals the 10 most powerful lessons that I have experienced in my own life through sort of growth and development and self-coaching, as well as lessons that I have helped my clients experience breakthroughs with, the top 10 coaching lessons of 2023. I can't think of a more value-packed episode to enter 2024 with and to wrap up 2023 with and put a nice bow on it. Guys, it's been a good year. Uh, we've seen a lot of growth, a lot of breakthroughs with clients, even in the DMs with guys I don't officially work with. It's just been really cool to spend this year seeing God's blessing, seeing breakthrough, and working with you all, engaging with you through IG, through this podcast. And I'm really looking forward to the new year and um, very thankful. Yep. Without further ado, guys, let's get into it. The top 10 coaching lessons from 2023. This is capable of changing your life if you let it. So take some notes. Be sure to save this one for later as well. Guys, our first big lesson from 2023 is worthy versus ready. You'll notice I'm going to phrase a lot of these in sort of a quick and to the point way. This is no different. Worthy versus ready. Guys, as men in life, we have a deep-seated feeling of the need to prove our worth. We feel like we have to prove our worth as men. And guys, in most of life, that's true. In most of life, we have to prove that we are worthy. At work, if you succeed, if you do well, it's because you're worthy. You've shown yourself worthy of a promotion, worthy of a raise, worthy of recognition. Your worth is judged on what you do. Okay? That's the same at work as it is in sports, as it is even in dating, right? Your worth, according to a woman, is going to be judged by what you bring, right? Sure, over time, she might come to love you as you are, but that's a decision she's going to make after assessing your worth, right? That's the hard truth of it, boys. But here's the thing. Jesus came and died for our sins, and he changed the game. What we don't understand, is, even as Christian men in this new masculine resurgence kind of space, is that the gospel changes our identity as men. Okay? Worthy versus ready. Guys, there are things in your life that you don't have that you want to have. They're good things. A lot of you guys listening are single, like myself. A lot of you guys maybe want more money in the bank, you want a better position at work, you want your side hustle to, to blow up and grow. 
you have goals, right? You have these good things that you want to happen, but they're not happening. And there's a part of you that thinks it's because you're not worthy. Here's the truth, guys. That's why Jesus came to die. Jesus came to die because we are unworthy apart from him. Guys, the I am what I do mantra, a man is as he does, that kind of stuff is true apart from Christ. That's why he had to come. That's why he had to come and die for us. We failed the test. I am what I do for us meant that we sinned, so we were sinners, so we lost the game. We were going to spend eternity in separation from God. We were at enmity with God. We were rebels against his divine commands and against his ways. Okay? We failed. All of life was this way. You are what you do. You are what you bring to the table. Your value is directly tied to what you can bring. Okay? But God, right? We failed, guys. That's why Jesus had to come and die. And here's why that matters. God now looks at you as his son. Think about that. You were at enmity with him, but then Christ died. He said, hey, I see this guy and he's failing. The I am what I do thing doesn't work for him because he's a sinner and he's going to be separated from God. So Jesus came to do better. He did better. He lived a better life and he lived a perfect life so that we wouldn't be what we do anymore. Man of God, if you are under the blood of Christ, you are no longer what you do. You are what Jesus did. He lived a perfect life, and that perfect life is now applied to you. That's how the gospel works. And catch what that means. It means that the God of the universe now looks at you and doesn't see what you do, or did, or will do. He sees what Jesus did. And he, again, adopts you as his son. You were once an orphan at enmity with God, hopeless, and now you're a son. So here's what that means, guys. You are worthy, period. If there is a good thing in this world, you're worthy of it, period. Because it's not about you anymore, bud. It's not about you. And that's a tough thing for us manly masculine men to accept is it's not about us, right? A man is not what he does if under Christ. Thank God. Thank God for that, right? Or else we would be sinners, screwed, in big trouble. It takes humility to lay down the identity of I am what I do. I am what I can bring to the table. I am my performance. It takes humility to lay that identity down. But if you can do that, you can pick up the identity of worthy and whole and perfect. Okay? It's a big, big thing. It's a big step. Worthy versus ready. Guys, I want you to imagine you have a little son. Some of you probably do. You got a little son. He's about six years old. You guys are going through the store. You guys pass the toy section, right? And your little son, he's a spitting image of you. 
everybody says, man, he looks just like you, right? You can see yourself in his eyes. You can see yourself in the way he moves, the things he likes, the things he does. It's precious. It's beautiful. You guys are in the store. You're passing the toy section, and your little man looks up at you, and he says, Dad, I want a motorcycle. And you're like, sure, whatever. It's, you know, it's near his birthday or whatever it is. You want to buy him a motorcycle. You walk over there to the toys and you go to grab a motorcycle. He says, no, 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 dad. I want the real one. I want the real thing. Okay, at that point, you kind of laugh to yourself and you're like, hey, buddy, sorry. You can't have a real motorcycle, right? Now, why is that? It's because you're a good father. It's because he's six years old. He's not ready for a motorcycle. But you know what? You're sure. (laughs) There's no doubt in your mind he's worthy. That kid is worthy of everything the world has to offer. That kid is worthy of a motorcycle, a beautiful wife one day, a great family. He's worthy of everything. Why? Because he's your son. And that's it. That's all he had to do. That's the only hurdle he had to cross to be worthy of all the world has to offer was being your son. That's it, man. The difference is, is he's not ready. See it? And guys, whenever Jesus sacrificed his perfect life and we accepted his grace, we became adopted sons of God and worthy of of any and every good thing under the sun. You are worthy, okay? You're worthy of that wife that you want. You're worthy of that promotion, of that raise. But you may not be ready, okay? A man who thinks he has to earn worthiness is going to walk with a chip on his shoulder. I call it orphan versus prince. Okay, the orphan has to prove his worth. The prince doesn't. You are a prince. If the orphan breaks an expensive vase, his life is over. He gets shipped off to a foreign country to be a slave to pay off his debt because he is what he does. If a prince breaks a vase, he can move on. It doesn't define him. He's not defined by what he does. He's defined by who his father is, and so are you. You are defined by your father. And when your father looks at you, man of God, he says, worthy. Ready? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I'll tell you how you know when you're ready is when God says you are, is when you get it. That's when you're ready. And maybe he's going to let you have it for a while and take it away. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't have his playbook for you. But what I do know is every good thing he's going to give you when you're ready. But you're already worthy, bro. You're already worthy right now because of what he did. Not because of what you did. It's not some prideful thing. It's the opposite. It's saying, I am worthy because of Christ's perfect life and death that the creator of the universe in his sovereign grace has decided to use as a lens with which to view me. And so he says worthy. And so instead of pridefully saying, no, 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 I have to prove myself. I have to bring something to the table to be worthy. I'm going to define my own identity. Instead of doing that, I'm going to take the humble route and say, hey, God, you get to make the rules. 
you get to decide if I'm worthy. And you said I'm worthy because of the work of Christ. And so guess what? I'm going to be worthy. I'm going to feel worthy. I'm going to walk with my head up high and walk with confidence. I'm going to boast in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be worthy. Right? It's a game changer. You don't have to prove yourself, man. When you're ready, just like that kid with the motorcycle, he's not ready at six years old for that bike. But he's worthy. The only thing he had to do to be worthy was to be your son. Same thing with your father in heaven. Number two, guys, is this concept of from, not for. These first um, concepts are about identity. I'm a big identity guy. I'm a masculine identity coach. Most problems men face are tied to identity problems. That's my POV. That's what I'm about. Number two is kind of like worthy versus ready. It's a little of a nuance from not for, okay? Think about the orphan and the prince. The prince does great things from a place of approval and security. The orphan does great things for a place of approval and security and belonging and love. The orphan has to earn his place at the table every day. The rent is due every day. He is, again, what he does. So everything he does is for approval, for acceptance, for belonging, for significance. But guys, if you're under Christ, you've already got that stuff. The trick is, is you have to believe it. And then you have to walk forward from a place of from, not for. You are moving and living from approval, from the power of God, from the significance of being a son of God. You don't have to please anybody. You don't have to win anybody over. You don't have to shoot for anything. You've already got it all. All right? From, not for. Number three, guys, this is a kind of a, a word picture, so bear with me. You cannot do an engine swap while driving. Okay? Say you're driving down the highway, you're booking it, and you've got a diesel engine in your car. All right? So this car is being powered by diesel. Here's what's not going to happen. I mean, maybe if they make Fast and Furious 14, they'll do something like this. But as far as I know, this is not possible. You're driving down the highway in this diesel engine, and a helicopter kind of comes over the mountain and does a hot engine swap while you're driving. This pit crew descends from the helicopter with this engine, and as you are flying down the highway, you put it in neutral, and you power the engine off, and you're just rolling and the engine comes down and it's a gas engine. You guys do a switcheroo and you get gassed up all within five minutes. And you don't miss a beat. Okay, that's not possible. <laughs> Again, Fast and Furious 14 will prove me wrong, but that, that's not how that works, okay? And it's not how it works for you. Here's what I mean. A lot of us guys are motivated with that orphan mindset. We're motivated from that four mindset. I've got to do it for 
approval, for acceptance, for this feeling of being enough. We're not operating from enough, from approval. Okay? A lot of us are operating from, I've got to prove my worth. It's fear. It's shame. Right? It's it's of this world. It's the way of the world. And we're not living in the grace that God offers. And guys, let me tell you, there's a lot of us are disciplined, motivated, dedicated, and we're our engines are powered by that fuel. They're powered by that fuel of shame and fear, okay? Guys, here's the good news slash bad news is you can't do a hot engine swap while you're driving. What that means is if you really want to become, to change your life and to be motivated by the beautiful, pure, and positive things that the gospel unlocks for you, then you're gonna have to slow down. The existing behaviors and habits that you have are not gonna be sustained immediately by the grace and the power of God unless you change your ways, okay? For those of you who have watched Avatar The Last Airbender, which I hope is all of you, if not, you're missing out, I want you to reference the Zuko problem is what I call it. It's in the last season. Zuko, one of the main protagonists, becomes good. He becomes a good guy, and he loses his power. Why does he lose his power? Right? He's a firebender. Okay. He loses, he can firebend a little bit, but it's just very weak. It's very soft. He loses it because in his past life as a villain, he was motivated and fueled by anger, rage, inadequacy, and revenge. And when he healed from those things, they no longer motivated him. So he no longer had that same power. He had to go find himself and find connectivity to those higher motivations before he could find his power again. And the same is true for you. So don't freak out if on your healing journey, you realize some of these disciplines are starting to slide. You can't do an engine swap while you're driving, bro. It's not how that works. Number four, most powerful lesson from 2023 I'm going to give you this concept of as if, okay? What does that mean? It means I want you to live your life as if, fill in the blank, as if you are the victor, as if you're going to get what you're after, as if you're going to make that lift, as if you're going to get that girl's number, as if you're going to win, okay? Play as if you're going to win and that you're confident that you're going to win. If you're building a business, guys, work as if you're already on top. Work as if you're the top dog. Work as if you have more experience than you do. Work as if you're smarter than you are, okay? I'm not saying be delusional, but I am a little bit. I'm saying be confident. Because here's the, here's the thing, guys. Having some confidence is going to take you a long way. And the fact is most of you are operating from a space of inadequacy, right? You're like, Luke, I don't want to say, act as if I'm going to blah, blah. That's delusional. I don't want to lie to myself. Dude, you're lying to yourself right now. 
You're telling yourself you're a failure. You're telling yourself you're not enough. You're telling yourself all kinds of negative talk, right? I want you to believe that you have what it takes to succeed. You just need to keep trying. Do you believe that about yourself? Do you believe that you have what it takes to succeed if you just keep trying? Most of you don't, if we're being honest. I'm just, we're, we're just trying to get you to act as if you're going to win. Do it. Will you still lose sometimes? Absolutely, you will. Absolutely. There's a verse that I reference a lot with this. It's Proverbs 24, 16. Okay, the righteous may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Guys, that number seven is a symbolic number. It's not actually seven. Okay, the number seven in scripture represents completion, perfection, wholeness. What that verse is saying is the righteous man is going to fall seven times, not the number seven, but whatever number it is for the work that God is doing in you to be completed and perfected. That's how many times you're going to fail. But then, after that seventh time, whatever it is, it could be two, it could be three, it could be 70, it could be 100, I don't know. But after whatever that seventh time is, you are going to rise and stay up, and you're going to get it, you're going to win, you're going to be a victor, as long as you keep getting up and keep trying. And so guys, I want you acting as if, as if you're going to win, baby, as if you're going to be the victor. Because man, after seven, you will. I don't know when seven is, and you don't know when seven is. That's why God's God, man. It don't work the same for everybody. You and me are different. You and the other guy you follow on Instagram are different. Him and I are different. Everybody's different. Everybody's got a different seven. And you can't know what yours is unless you keep trying. So you might as well act as if you're going to win because you will win, bro. I don't know at what or how or when, but it's going to happen. Act as if it will, dude. You're going to be happier, more confident, and you're going to get to seven a lot quicker. You feel me? Act as if you're going to win, man. Number five, we're moving a little bit more toward psychology, still heavily rooted in spirituality. Did I say number four? I meant to say five. We already did four. So we'll do a quick recap. Number one is worthy versus ready. Number two is from, not for. Number three is you can't do an engine swap while driving. Number four, as if. We are at number five. The real you needs to meet the real God. The real you needs to meet the real God. What does that mean? It means that there's a part of yourself that you've suppressed or that you are trying to hide from God, okay? And this is hurting you're in God's relationship. And this is tied to another point later. There's going to be some overlap. Oh, well, we're just going to reinforce some uh, points over and over again, which is fine. The real you needs to meet the real God. Here's what I mean. There's part of you that you don't like to look at. There's a part of you that you don't even want to acknowledge yourself. Some intrusive thoughts that you have, some weird motives you have, some maybe selfish things that you want, right? Some stuff you're ashamed of, okay? Here's the thing. God knows all of it. Here's what's more. God knows stuff that you don't even know about you. 
God knows how bad you really are. You don't even know how bad you really are. God knows all of the intrusive thoughts you have and more. He knows the subconscious drivers behind each and every single one of those. You don't know what you would do in a life or death situation when you had to sacrifice yourself or get ahead and sacrifice someone else. Bro, you don't know what you would do. God does. God knows you already, man. The problem is you're not bringing the real you to meet the real God. And this is important because that's where relationship happens. And that's where alignment happens. This is a big deal with nice guys. Nice guys don't ever really get to know their real selves. The bad boys are the opposite. The bad boys have realized that they cannot suppress themselves because they lack the masculine strength of restraint. We talk about the different masculine strengths. The bad boys don't have good restraint, so they fly off the handle and they lose it and they kind of succumb and give in to their own desires. But at least they know their desires, bro. At least they know what they want and they go get it. The nice guy can't even do that because the real him is suppressed out of fear and shame. Okay? But God knows that version of you. God knows the real you. But the real you doesn't know the real God. When Adam and Eve sinned, what's the first thing they did? They hid themselves. God's out there and he says, where are you? He asks where they are. Why do you think God asked where they were? It's not because he didn't know. It's not because he didn't know. I'll give you another one. My One of my kid brothers loves chocolate. I mean, loves it. We used to call him the chocoholic. When he was three or four, he started, you know, he could reach the counters. He was toddling around. I think it was Valentine's Day or something like that. Some chocolatey sort of occasion, right? Homeboy gets into the chocolate and eats. <laughs> he ate a lot of chocolate. We'll just put it that way. He has it all over his face and hands. I mean, he's three or four, right? It's like he's not self-aware. He's not, he's not conscious yet, so he doesn't realize what he's done. You know, he knows he just pounded some chocolate, but he doesn't know what he looks like. He looks like a little monster with all this chocolate. He waddles into the living room, and my dad asks him, Hey, you got anything to tell me? Did you uh, eat the chocolate, right? Homeboy's like, no, 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 no. Why? I did not eat the chocolate, right? He's full of it. My dad knew dang well what little kid had done. Chocoholic had eaten the chocolate. That was plain as day. Dad knew that. He didn't have to ask that. Why? He asked it for the same reason God asked Adam and Eve, where are you? It's because for relationship to happen, there has to be that connection. There has to be that acknowledgement of the real situation. God already knows the real you. You need to get you, yourself, and God all in the same room. That's going to unlock so much healing for you guys. Okay? Start by journaling everything. Prayer, right? Get in touch with yourself. Hey y'all, just wanted to take a moment and thank the sponsor of today's episode, which is myself. This show is actually a part of the Narrow Way Man brand, 
which is my online outlet to provide wisdom, motivation, and practical guidance for modern men. I've been blessed to take part in incredible transformations and breakthroughs with younger and middle-aged men who are in a season of crisis or a season of stagnation and are ready to make a big change, but are fed up with trying irrelevant churchy principles or recycled secular strategies that are void of biblical foundations. If you are a man who is truly ready to take responsibility and break out of your current plateau, there is a link in the show notes to apply for a coaching program. Thanks again for listening, and let's get back to the show. I'm going to go ahead and tie that in to number six. Stop suppressing your feelings. Stop suppressing your feelings. The bad boys suppress feelings and the nice guys suppress feelings too. And guys, again, when I talk about nice guys and bad boys, I don't mean like stamps on somebody's forehead like this is who you are. I'm talking about mindsets. We've all had bad boy phases. We've all had nice guy phases. And I know this because it's true for myself and it's true for all the clients I work with, right? Whether they're six foot eight, five foot four, whether they're ripped, whether they're weak, whether they're doing well with women, whether they're not, whether they're rich or not so much, every guy goes through these mindsets, okay? Stop suppressing your feelings. The nice guy mindset suppresses different kinds of feelings than the bad boy mindset. The bad boy mindset suppresses feelings that he's afraid will make him weak, okay? You'll notice the bad boy type is not in touch with his emotions, right? That's not really true. That's what we say, but it's not true. He's in touch with anger. He's in touch with pride. He's in touch with um, aggression. Those are all kind of emotions, right? He's not in touch with the more sensitive emotions. He's not vulnerable. He's not sensitive. He's not loving as much. He can't really be tender as a man. Because he suppresses what he is afraid, keyword is fear there, he's afraid of the emotions that may make him weak. Whereas the nice guy is afraid of emotions that would make him evil. So the nice guy, yeah, he's in his feelings. He knows how to love and be tender and be sensitive and empathetic and all these things. He probably plays the violin or something, right? He's super appreciative of the softer, nicer things in life. But he's suppressing things he's afraid will make him evil, like his sex drive, like his ambition, his aggression, his power. He suppresses those things that he has seen can lead to evil and that he's afraid will make him evil. Stop suppressing your feelings, guys. No matter what side of the spectrum you're on, learn to feel your feelings. Bring those feelings to God because there's good and bad there. And you need to learn to parse that out, not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay. Number seven, the real you is often outside the lines. And this is more to guys that are in that nice guy stage. Guys, the real you is often outside the lines. Nice guys do really well as a employee as a volunteer, as someone who can fit into a system. Nice guys are pros at systems. They can analyze the system and they can get in the system and grow within the system. 
But guys, the real you is probably not in the system. The real you is a version of yourself that you're going to have to experience when you draw outside the lines. I'm not telling you to break the law. I'm not telling you to break the rules. But there are some societal li- I don't know your life. But there are some societal norms and lines that you need to break out of. Okay? You'll notice, if you look back in your life, the times you felt the most powerful were oftentimes that you broke outside the lines, that you did something that surprised yourself or surprised others, or maybe was unconventional, something you normally wouldn't do, right? That's because you're drawn outside the lines. That's where the real you often is. I'm not saying to go draw outside the line just for kicks and giggles, but if you feel a pull towards something and it just so happens to be outside the lines, think about it. That might be where your authentic self is living. Moving on, guys, to number eight. Decide. Don't let it slide. Still kind of in that nice guy area. Decide. Don't let it slide. A lot of you all with your schedules, you start the day with the best of intentions and then stuff starts to slide. Different interruptions happen. You get distracted on your phone. One project takes a little too long. Traffic was bad. You're a little bit behind and your day just kind of slides and your priorities are dictated by your circumstances. This happens on a day micro level. It happens in your life on a macro level. You slide into certain friend groups. People slide in and out of your life by circumstance. Maybe you're coming into the new year with all these big plans, but you remember this past year, you had a lot of big plans and dreams and hopes as well, but life happened. Oh, I hate that. It's one of the worst sayings. Life happened And stuff just slid off the table, right? Just like the horse in the old Western movie, right? Remember the old Western movies where the guy is riding the horse? He's just riding the horse fast and hard through the night. The horse is literally on the brink of death. And then, lo and behold, he goes over a hill and the horse gets his hoof caught in a pothole and breaks a leg. And guys, you know what happens next. The cowboy, a man of grit, steel, not unfamiliar with death, he he knows that the horse breaking its leg, that's the end game for the horse. That's, That's a death that seals the deal, right? So what does the cowboy do? He gets his rifle out and he kills the horse because he knows what's about to happen next, right? Guys, that's what I want you to do. Number eight is decide, don't let it slide. That word decide has the same root word as incision, to cut. The Latin cadre, to cut, to cut something off, decide. You have to foresee your day, your year, your life, your schedule, your social circles, your mental workload, your physical capacity, all these things have limits, guys. You cannot do it all. And some things won't make it. 
some things won't make it. Part of being a man is making hard decisions. But most men are passive because they let their lives slide into place and they are not decisive. I want you to be like that steely-eyed cowboy that can see what's going to happen. He probably knew what was going to happen before he even put his foot in the stirrup and got on the saddle. He knew that that horse was going to die because he knew he was going to ride it to the death. And he knew he would have to kill it. I need you to make decisions like that. There are things in your life that have slid to where they are. Good habits, bad habits, friends, dreams that have slid off the table. And you are not the primary actor in your own life. External circumstances are. Part of embracing your masculinity is number eight. Decide. Don't let it slide. In parentheses to that one, I have kill it. I need you to kill it, man. I need you to notice what areas of life are not going to make it. And then instead of passively letting them go, I need you to actively cut them off. Decide, incise, kill it. Make a decision. Burn the ships. Decide. Don't let it slide. Number nine. <laughs> this is getting real practical with nine and 10. Number nine, you guys, you do not need close female friends. You don't. Female friends are fine, okay? But if you hit like, man, if you're out of college especially, bro, you do not need close female friends. Female friends are fine. When I mean close, I mean like you guys are spending one-on-one -on -one time together, you're texting a lot, and you guys like know each other really well and you're keeping up. No, you don't need that crap, dude. You need to systemize male interaction on a regular basis. A lot of my clients, and thus I'm sure a lot of you, don't have close male friendships that you systemically meet with on a regular basis. Where you guys can be real with each other, you talk about real stuff, you're doing life together, that is what you need. You do not need close female friends. Close female friends will effeminize you. They will result in you sharing your kind of sexual tension and flirtationships and these kinds of things with women and like one-sided, one-and-a-half-sided mutual attraction and validation and all kinds of nonsense that, you know, I will tolerate in college because everybody's crammed in the dorms and on campus and all these things, and it's going to happen in college and whatever. But, dude, especially after that, stop it, bro. Stop it. If you want to become close friends with a girl, start dating her, bro. Seriously. Other than that, what what's going to happen? Really, play this out. Four or five years from now, this girl that you are just friends with and she's just friends with you as much BS as that probably is. She's going to get married, dude. Are you going to keep being just friends with her then? Probably not. Cause you know, it wasn't just friends. You know that somebody liked somebody a little bit. Come on, bro. Don't lie to yourself. Okay. Don't waste your time, dude. Play it out. You're a man. Now you're not a little boy. Now you need to be making decisions about legacy. 
You need to be thinking 10 years out. Who are the men that you want in your life? Cultivate those friendships. Stop messing with the females unless you're trying to wife somebody up, all right? Number 10, last, probably not least, maybe least, I don't know. Still extremely important. Short form content is the devil. Guys, I know it's not literally the devil and I'm kind of trivializing how powerful the devil is by comparing short form content to the devil, but I'm, I'm making hyperbole here for a reason. Short form content is so bad for you, bro. It's so bad for you. <clears throat> and I know I'm a big hypocrite, right? Because I'm literally on Instagram making short form content, consuming short form content, but it is the devil, bro. I see this all the time, shorts, TikToks, reels, especially, all that kind of stuff, the doom scrolling. Here's what happens. You're disassociating from reality. Here's what I mean by disassociating. If you've ever been in a movie, right? You go to a movie theater and I love, I love going to movie theaters because I really lose myself in the story and I really enjoy the story. And when I'm doing that, I disassociate from my body. That's part of the experience. You're sitting in the theater and you're in this massive, you know, you're in this massive theater with this massive screen and the surround sound and you're in a comfortable chair and you can kind of forget that you exist and you get sucked into this movie. It's part of the experience, right? It's fun. Okay. And then it ends and you can go home and move on with your life, right? And, you know, sometimes if I'm truly disassociated, if I'm truly absorbed in the story, there will be a jump scare, right? Something startling will happen in the movie. And my body will kind of, uh, will jump a little bit, you know? I'll flail a little bit, as do a lot of people in the crowd. And that's because you've disassociated from your own body. And so you think that what you're seeing is real. There's sort of this disconnection that happens. Now, if I'm not really into the movie, I'm not really engaged and I'm just kind of in a cynical mood and I'm chilling and my mind is elsewhere and there's a jump scare, I'm probably not budging because I'm fully aware of the fact that it's not real, right? The same thing happens to you when you're engaged in social media, guys. You disassociate. You're staring into this tiny box and your sense of time goes away and you disassociate from your body and you start getting confused with what's real and what's not. Not consciously, but subconsciously. And for most guys, if I'm being real, that's where your porn behavior begins. Anybody listening to this podcast that's listening this far into the podcast is not someone who loves looking at porn. It's like, oh yeah, that's my favorite thing to do. I come home and I unwind and I look at porn. But a lot of you guys listening to this are or have struggled with porn. And if you look back, when you're in that phase of struggling, you're trying to overcome it, it's not like you, you come home and you immediately open porn. No, what you do is you come home and then you disassociate with short-form content. And you're scrolling and you're scrolling and you're scrolling and you lose touch with your conscious mind and your good decision-making qualities and you see something that's provocative and suggestive and you follow that rabbit trail a little bit and then you do a little bit more, and you do a little bit more, 
and you're disassociated, and before you know it, you're on porn. Okay? And porn is only one way that short-form content is the devil. I mean, that's only one route that it takes you. But the amount of time you waste and the amount of mental energy you actually spend switching back and forth between these different short-form contents, that's messing you up. And I know that because most of my clients go through a detox phase when we're working together. And sometimes that's the biggest thing that happens is they go through this detox and the revelations they have, the purity and clarity of mind they gain is super powerful. And uh, we have to come up with a game plan to avoid short form content, guys. I have my own things. Here's what I recommend. I recommend intermittent fasting from short form content. So what that means is for me, I'm not scrolling until midway through the day. I'm not on to consume anything until midway through the day. And then I have limits as well. So kind of intermittent fasting with limits. But guys, to be real, if you're not a creator on Instagram or on YouTube or somewhere like that, TikTok, I I just wouldn't be on there. If you want to consume good content, listen to podcasts, watch YouTube, not shorts. You're not really going to miss anything, bro. Everything you need is in long form, and it's going to be way better for your brain. I really hate the fact that I have to be on Instagram, to be honest. I'm sucking a lot of guys in from the Matrix, but I hate I hate being there. It's, uh, it's not a net positive to society, bro. But hey, hope you've enjoyed this podcast top 10 lessons from 2023 that can change your life in 2024. Appreciate you guys. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening. If this episode was valuable to you, I will probably never know that unless you do me the favor of leaving a five-star review and hitting the follow button for this podcast. Doing that is going to let me know to keep producing this kind of content, and it's going to help other people just like you discover it as well. I appreciate your support and look forward to seeing you next time on The Path.